Newly appointed Sunshine Tour Commissioner Thomas Apt has taken over at one of the most precarious times in sporting history. The impact of the COVID-19 pandemic on sport in general, and on golf in this case, is likely to be profound. The cost of the pandemic might not fully be known for years to come, and Apt will be the person steering South Africa's men's professional game through the turbulence. He has two decades of experience in the golfing industry. He started as an assistant golf professional at the Lost City course at Sun City before moving to sports marketing company Sale, where he became head of the golf division. More recently, he occupied a dual role as deputy Sunshine Tour Commissioner while still at Sale. But on the 1st of October, he moved on a full-time basis to the Sunshine Tour. I'm Craig Ray, and it's a pleasure to welcome Commissioner Thomas Apt to the Maverick Sports Podcast. Hi, Thomas. Thanks for joining us. Thanks, Craig. Absolute pleasure. What a wonderful intro. I'm glad you wrote it. That's spectacular. Thank you. It sounds great. We didn't even talk about the fact that you played volleyball for South Africa, which is interesting. We'll get to that in a little bit later. But, you know, it really is an interesting time to take over this role. You know, sport in general, as I said there, and the whole global industry is is suffering. Did you have sort of second thoughts about taking the job when it was offered to you, especially because of the timing? Craig, this this process started sure a couple of years ago at least. So the timing was a challenge, and and we had earmarked this data a while ago already. So it when it was coming, it was it was coming thick and fast, and it was oh my gosh, what are we going to do? But I mean, we still got the the support from our board, which has been absolutely amazing. And our executive director, Sawa Nathan, is staying on board as a as an advisor and ensuring that the the transition is a smooth one especially in, in these times over here, you need a lot of heads that can try and navigate the troubled waters. So I've got a great support around me, but was I concerned taking over? Uh, nervous, absolutely. I've got big, big shoes to fill with, with Sal and Nathan being the commi- commissioner for such a long time. Yeah. Nervous, but super excited and, and hopefully going to bring some positive new concepts and new ideas to, to the tour. Yeah, look, I mean, I guess a lot of things are going to have to be reimagined in the post-COVID world. But let's just start at what has been your mandate? What has the board said to you? You know, Thomas, as commissioner, this is your mandate. We want you to do X, Y, and Z. Have you have you been given a sort of roadmap of, of what the board's plans are, or is it your own roadmap to make? Yeah, it's it's, it's my own roadmap to make, and, and, and I've drafted up one over here, and I've even got my little strategy next to over here, which we haven't even announced to the board yet, mm. but I will take excerpts of it and, and maybe bring it up in our chat over here. Essentially, the Sunshine Tour is about giving our professional golfers opportunities to play and earn a living and compete on the highest level. As you may have seen, Craig, we recently changed our, our payoff line from it begins here to greatness begins here, and that is our, our my focus all the way through everything we're doing. So it's creating opportunities for our guys to get onto the bigger stage. And, and I, I, I'm jumping ahead now, but we'll come back to a few things. But uh, that greatness begins, yeah, and get onto the bigger stage. That is, the Sunshine Tour has always, I suppose, understood its role in the global game. It's, it's never been about saying we're going to be the PGA Tour or the European Tour. We, we understand that we are a place that brings African golfers through onto the world stage. And, and will that vision change at all in the coming years? Or is it still you know, that role to play where a guy at home can earn a good living, but guys that want to go onto bigger things can, can use this as a springboard? Absolutely. So, so I want to go yes and no to your, your question. We, we know our place, absolutely. We'll never be able to be a, a PGA tour, but with our partners with the European tour and the other federation tours, we've got, we've got our place. But also sometimes we want to have the limelight as well. So one of my, my objectives in the next three years, three to five year strategy section is, is host one big event. And, and by that, I mean like a, a WGC 
type event, not a WGC event. I just want to make that, that clear, mm. but, but a big event to put us on the map so that the guys can go back and say South African golf carries its weight and adds value to the federation of the, of the tours. Okay, for the listeners that don't know, a WGC is a World Golf Tour event. Are they the, the rung under the majors? There's the four majors and you've got the WGC event. So what would be a WGC type event? What, what would be an equivalent right now that we could use it as a way of understanding? So I want to go back and call it potentially uh, the Race to Dubai type final event where you've got a lot of fantastic players across the world. You've got a big prize fund. You've got local guys competing against those mm. fantastic players. And also we've partnered with some of the other federations. So we actually had a lengthy meeting this morning around the concept, around the plan. So it's gaining a little bit of momentum. Lots to do. We're at the initial phases, the infancy element of it. So it, it's it's like the, the DP World type event where there's a heck of a prize fund, lots of spectators, lots of lots of groundwork for development of golf in our country, bringing it across all the spheres from from junior golf, amateur golf, ladies professional golf, men's professional golf. So it's encompassing all those elements to make South Africa stand out in the map. We hosted the President's Cup in 2003. Would that be on the schedule at some point? I don't know how far ahead the President's Cup venues have been decided currently, but would South Africa consider a bid for a President's Cup again in the future? The short version is we would consider it. Obviously, it comes with a very big price tag along with it. And they're on their rotation basis and, and, the, and the country needs to bid for it. It's not anything just yet on our radar, especially with, with the situation we've just gone through now. But it's, it's, never a, it's never a no and nothing too, too soon on the radar. The, the Sunshine Tour has had a strong association and partnership with the European Tour. Again, for listeners that aren't that familiar, although it's called the European Tour, it's played all over the world. It's in Asia, it's in Africa, you know, and, and obviously in Europe and the UK. Our bonds with the European Tour, at one point, I think we had six European Tour events in one, one season. That was probably the maximum. How many co-sanctioned European Tour events are there in the current uh, calendar? So, yeah, yeah, absolutely. The European Tour have been our friends for a very long time. And I need to uh, thank our chairman, Mr. Rupert, for ensuring that relationship is a strong and healthy one who always guides us through any challenges we may have. And he's been absolutely amazing through through the last few months and in, in ensuring our, our partnership remains strong and firm. To answer your question, we'll have three co-sanctioned events this year, starting in a couple of weeks' time, or maybe a little bit more than a couple, the 19th of November, the Joburg Open, back on the schedule. The city of Joburg kindly hosted the SA Open for two years, and the mayor of uh, the city of Joburg spoke to Sawa Nathan and kind of said, he's the mayor of the city of Joburg, so he'd like the Joburg Open back, please. <laughs> so we're very blessed and very lucky yep. to be able to give him that back. So that is back on our schedule this year. Then we're going to head up to the Alfred Daniel Championship up at Leopard Creek, and then we're going to host the SA Open this year with Ned Bank and Sun International at Sun City at the, at the Gary Player Country Club. So we'll have three co-sanctioned events this year. So it's very, very exciting. And our professional golfers, from a South African perspective, are going to have uh, 68 million rand to play for in three weeks. Yeah, that's a lot of money. And obviously, they're going to be up against some good European players, those that can get through all the protocols and can travel because, you know, we don't know. The, the situation's still pretty fluid. So, you know, things are starting to lock down again in France and a few places in Europe. Yeah, we, you don't know which players might be able to make it, might not make it to South Africa. But I suppose the fewer international players, maybe not great for the tournament, but good for South African pro golfers because it'll open up a, a little bit more space for them in, 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 the, in the draw. 
Yeah, you're 100% correct. Um, we don't want to think the, the negative side, but, but maybe that's a bit of reality. But we, we've got protocols in place. We, we're creating biobubbles. We've partnered with Kaiten Provincial Government as well and, and Department of Home Affairs for all the professional golfers. When they put their name down to come, if they can get their business visa coming into South Africa, they need to ensure that they've got their negative uh, PCR test from wherever they're leaving coming into South Africa. We had a few hiccups along the way with some of the guys coming to, uh, from Europe down to South Africa that did the wrong type of tests. So they got to the airport and showed them the documentation. And then the lady said at the counter, no, this is not accepted in South Africa. So we completely panicked going, oh my gosh, all our legwork has failed. And then we realized the, the gent did the wrong type of test and it, it was an SMS result on his phone. So it wasn't quite according to, to the plan, but we've got a We've got a lot of protocols in place uh, going into a bio bubble. And, and to answer your question or to elaborate on your statement rather, is that we hope uh, a lot of the guys do come on down because it's going to be fabulous weather that time of year. Great opportunity to earn some some good money and, and go back and uh, use our payoff line that greatness begins here. I suppose crowds, spectators are, are going to be, if not completely uh, blocked from entering, they're certainly limited because level one restrictions, I think we're up to about 250 people in a gathering and, you know, in the field of golfers and caddies takes you nearly to there already, doesn't it? Yeah, so absolutely. So outdoors, you're allowed to have 500 people. So our, all our tournaments are going to be, spectators are not allowed, no spectator policy. And, and that's, been, that's been met with a great support from all of our tournaments. They fully understand the situation. We are going to have pro-ams, and there's a lot of hoops our pro-am guests need to jump through. But it's going to be, unfortunately, a, a no-spectator policy. But that gives a, a platform for us to showcase our country even more so through these times in a fantastic uh, broadcast production. I was going to come to that, but this is the appropriate moment to get into it. Uh, golf, I suppose, is one of the few sports that that really is massively TV friendly. I mean, if you're if you're watching golf, it's great to be on a on a fairway and watching, yeah. you know, say Rory McIlroy hit the ball or something. Which is, if you're keen on golf, it's it's an amazing sight to see players of that caliber hitting a ball in real life. But if you're trying to follow a tournament, TV is the best way because they're cutting from one end of the course to the other. You know, if you're physically on a golf course, you you could be three kilometers away from someone else on the far end of the golf course. So I suppose that that sort of at least from a TV point of view, yeah, nothing changes really for, for golf production. No, not really. And again, the, the huge plus of, of, of why we're going down this path of, of hosting these tournaments is to promote our country, to kickstart tourism again when those borders do open up. You've got the city of Joburg, the capital financial hub of our, of our country where everything seems to happen and no disrespect to any other cities. But also going up to Mpumalanga, you've got the Kruger National Park right, right against the, the golf course and we show... Uh, heck of a lot of the wildlife up there. And then we come to Sun City, which is a, a fabulous resort. So the, the broadcast is going to show all of that. The broadcast reaches in excess of 300 million homes worldwide. So what a fantastic way to, to show the world what we've got and through our broadcast. Yeah, absolutely. Now, the SA, Champion, uh, SA Open, which is the world's second oldest Open after the Open, which is the British Open. It's, a, it's an amazing tournament. It's been going for over 100 years. Obviously, this year with Nedbank behind it at the Gary Player Country Club, it does, does fill in where the Nedbank Golf Challenge should have been. Is this a permanent switch or is it just for this year only because there is no Nedbank Golf Challenge, which is the old Sun City Million Dollar for those that are confused? Yeah, so this is a, it's a once-off and we really need to, to say thank you to the team from Nedbank, Mark Brown and Turby Bardenhorst that they came to, to, and I go and assist South African professional golf because in our conversations uh, with them, 
one of the biggest things they said they realize golf needs support at this particular time and they came on board to assist us so we really need to thank them and say we know things are difficult but but in this situation with net, no net bank golf challenge they came to the party to assist the south african open and then you've given it all the accolades already so it's it's a once-off uh, for this year the Nedbank Golf Challenge, I mean, that only recently became part of the Sunshine Tour. That, that always had a slightly standalone elite field kind of feel. And in recent years, it's become part of the European Tour, part of the Sunshine Tour, which is, in my view anyway, Thomas, I don't know if it's shared it, it's given it more legitimacy because, you know, it was a great event when it was 10 or 20 players. Yeah. But it, it just feels better when it's a full field of, of people who have qualified to be there. It gives... It gives a guy who's number fifty odd in, in, on the on the money list a chance to really earn a life changing amount of money, mm. which he might not have got before. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's it's a magnificent event. It's the penultimate event on the the DP World and the Race to Dubai calendar. So any guys that aren't into the that final event in Dubai, come to South Africa and try get into that event. So it is a a a much, much bigger event than what we have currently on, on our schedule. And it's definitely raised the profile of golf in South Africa during the December period or November period where the event was. It's a wonderful event, as, as you said, and uh, long may it continue. The payoff line of, of the Nedbank Golf Challenge is Africa's major. And this has become a talking point, a slow one. There's only four majors in golf. Yeah. And three of them are in America. <laughs> the Masters, the PGA Championship and the US Open. And then, of course, the Open Championship. With the growth of golf in Asia particularly, and we've got what we call Africa's major, do you see a time when maybe there might be a fifth major added to the calendar somewhere in Asia? I mean, majors are constructs of people. They, these tournaments were sort of you know, anointed as majors at some point in their history. So I don't see it beyond the realms of possibility of adding another major, or don't you think that will happen? The, the short version is, as I'm going to plead the fifth on this one again, there, there's nothing on the horizon. There's no discussion yeah. um, at that level yet to to create another one. The the majors are sacrosanct. They're, they're on the pedestal. They are every boy's and girl's golfing dream to be part of it. I don't see anything anywhere on the horizon just yet to create anything new. And especially through this time, it's that old analogy is keep what you got, keep what you've got going great and build on it. But as you said, it ended off the, the last statement was uh, maybe something may happen, but there's nothing on the, on the horizon just yet. Yeah, I think it's an interesting debate to be had. I know I'm a traditionalist in that sense. That, yeah, those are the four majors. But we've seen the women's tour, for instance, uh, for instance in the US, and the majors have, have chopped and changed it, which I think kind of has happened too much on the ladies tour. But, you know, they're sort of settling down now into a rhythm. So it's, uh, I suppose something that could happen, especially if Asia comes online. But uh, that's a discussion for another day. <laughs> South Africa has produced so many great golfers. I mean, relative to the size of yeah. of uh, the country and the amount of players compared to much bigger countries, uh, why have we been so successful? And that's a double-edged question because I'll come with a follow-up shortly. But <laughs> what's your what's your take on why South Africa has produced so many? So we joked with one of the professional golfers a little while ago, and he just said, it's in the water. That's how it is, simple. Just move on. Uh, but jokingly enough, we went on a bit further and he actually came up with a really good analogy. And he said, uh, what happens in, in, in other parts of the world? Kids go and compete um, at junior levels and they get a, a prize or a medal for competing. So whether you shot 10 over par or 10 under par, you got a medal and said, well done, you've done particularly well. Yeah. What happened in South Africa, what has been happening for a very long time, was that you go out there and you want to beat the next guy next on the tee box next to you. If you come last, you get a pat on the back and say, good luck, keep going. But if you win, you get the praise and the glory that goes with it. And, and somehow that may be where the difference lies 
from when we started growing up, you compete at the highest possible level that you have, but you compete to win. You don't compete just to compete. And that's what a, a couple of our professional golfers have come to the table with and said, well, maybe that's the differentiator because everybody's trying to put put that nail on their head. In addition to to that statement, we've, we've got fantastic structures with Golf RSA and the South African Golf Development Board of, of growing the game in our country. So the structures are there as well to ensure that our amateur golfers can compete at the highest level and try and understand what it means to compete at those levels before they turn professional golf uh, into professional golfers. So th- there's a whole bunch of structures in play before our guys turn pro to make them ready as well. So I, I think that the combination of, of what I've just said with the Golf RSA, South African Golf Development Board, and the South African blood in the system that they want to be the best puts us in, in a good stead every single time. And it's important the Sunshine Tour is so strong because it provides that competition, that early competition for a lot of the young guys. And they get to mix it with some great players who come back and play the odd tournament in South Africa. So, you know, that's something that you know also prepares them for when they go out in the bigger tour, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. We'll go back and say that we, we've had fantastic golfers come through our ranks all the way from Mr. Player himself all the way through to our, our latest champion in, in Garrick Hugo a couple of weeks ago winning on the European Tour. So... Onwards and upwards, and, and long may those champions come from our country. Yeah, and I suppose this current generation of youngsters, when I say youngsters, sort of between 20 and 30, those South Africans in making their way on the tours, they've sort of had Ernie Els and Retief Huerson and, uh, you know, Trevor Immelman to look up to when they were growing up, depending on where they fit in that spectrum. More lately, Louis Estesen and Charles, and Charles Swatzel as well, major winners. That's vital too, isn't it, to have role models from your own country to, to pique the interest of, of players in your country? Absolutely. And I was very, very lucky in my, my previous life um, at Sale. I managed to look after one of the, the rugby teams that our, our company, or a big company sponsored. And, and the easiest thing to do from a campaign point of view to spark interest is if your team is winning. And that's no different in, in the golf uh, industry. If you have your, your, your players competing every week at the highest level, doing well, like we've had over the past sort of five, six weeks in the European Tour, where our guys are competing for the trophy, it makes all of our roles a little easier to try to attract attention, get more sponsors involved. So when golf's at a high, that means our guys are performing at the highest level as well. So those go hand in hand. So winners create easier opportunities for us administrators. Thomas, at the highest level, though, to make it as a pro, it's very cutthroat. I think people we see on TV, we see the guys doing well. And, and you think it's a glamorous life, exotic locations, big paychecks if, you, if you're winning. Or, you know. yeah. But there's another end to the pro golf, and that's, you know, those are guys that are just grinding out a living. You know, how hard is it? Maybe give people a sense of, of how difficult it is to really make it as a pro. It's so difficult because, I mean, you've gone through all the phases to get to that particular point. So you obviously can play golf. You've played at your home golf club, and you've, one and you've achieved, you've then gone on to potentially a Q school and you've, you've gone through that. So again, you've achieved. Uh, and then you get onto the stage where you've got all these big sharks swimming around and, and, and they are champions in their own right. So you're the smaller fish coming to this pond where, where you have to compete. And I use the analogy quite often. It's, it's going from primary school into high school where you think you're the, you're the, you're the big man going from, from primary school into high school and you get into this pond again. 
and you start swimming against these these really big guys it's it's so difficult you've got to you've got to get up you've got to pay every week you've got to go stay in a hotel you've got to get to the hotel you don't have these these networks open yet to you brand new you've got to pay for your caddy you need the right caddy on your bag which is absolutely critical to see you through the, the tough times as well so it's not just arrive on the pga tour oh great let me go and earn some money you've done some really hard work to get that particular point you've gone through various stages of of tour schools competing at different levels and at those levels there aren't any cameras and you're not paying for millions and billions of dollars every single week you're grinding it out to get somewhere jokingly there's ernie elson and nico van rensburg were in his uh, i think it's his datsun if i can remember the right car they were they were driving to the wild coast and, and nico was saying they didn't have enough money that week and they wanted to sleep in their car and, and something happened that they managed to get a hotel room I mean, even at that level, when you're starting out at the caliber, and I'm not belittling Nico in any way, that the guys struggle to get going. But once you get going, obviously, it's it's a lot easier. But wow, we it's uh, sure ain't easy to, to make a name for yourself. Yeah, and 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 what does the Sunshine do to do? I mean, look, your job is not to to babysit professional golfers, players who want to be. Your job is to provide them with tournaments and a way to make a living. But does the tour sort of help golfers that are struggling? Yeah, maybe. Set them up with yeah. cheaper accommodation, or what? What does the do the tour do to assist those struggling pros? So, so across many of our events, uh, we go out. We have a, a pre-planning team that goes out to to the venues. We scout the areas and we try go and uh, get accommodation at discounted rates for our professional golfers, and, and we try get discounts at the resorts where we're staying for our guys. But, but again, it's 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 the same energy. If you want to be here, you need to be wise and clever. And, and sort yourself out. And, and, and that means in a negative way, we're not here to look after you. We're saying we're giving you an opportunity, but we absolutely try our best to assist where we can. So a lot of our tournaments provide meals for our professional golfers. It's just a little bit to help them along their way, assist with their caddies as well. So there's there's an array of things. We do budget depending, obviously. So, But once you reach the level where we're at, we say to the guys, well, you've achieved on some level, surely you can take the next step as well by yourself. Yeah. And, and you were, I mean, the Sunshine Tour was very proactive during hard lockdown. You, you guys provided a, yeah, a lot of support to, to players and their caddies with some financial support. I know it wasn't a fortune, yeah. but it certainly, it certainly helped those players. And I spoke to a few of them, you know, the, not the stars, yeah. but the guys that really struggled to pay their caddies. And they were really appreciative, appreciative of, of what you guys did there. Yeah, absolutely. It was a crazy, crazy difficult time. I think we, I think, and I'm not going to stake it in, in hard, cold facts, but I believe we were the only tour to assist our players. And this really stems back from the board and their, their financial guidance of what we should be doing around our savings and, and the revenue we generate and saving it for a rainy day. Mm. And unfortunately, last five, six months was exactly that. This was the rainy day. We we're able to assist our professional golfers, the caddies, as well as the Sunshine Ladies professionals with our partners, the Women's Professional Golf Association. And as you said, it's not a lot of money, but but it went a long way. And again, it's it's to our board and our, and our REMCOM and, and audit committees that ensure that, that our, our finances are uh, up to date and we just don't go out and spend all our money we get in the next week for another golf tournament. So we're very lucky to be able to do that. The Sunshine Tour in South Africa, in Southern Africa at least, is the sort of tip of the pyramid. But I mean, the pyramid uh, below you, 
it goes back to club golf. And, and that's a very strong culture in South Africa, which was on the brink of collapse at one point during lockdown. There was just, you know, hundreds of thousands of jobs yeah. at golf courses around the country. You know, I know it wasn't really the Sunshine Tours role, it was more golf RSA's role to, to try and get those doors open. But you must have been a pretty concerned onlooker when you saw the golf industry as a whole, which I believe is worth over 40 billion rand to the South African economy, sort of teetering on the brink of collapse at, at one point during hard lockdown. Yeah, it's, it's amazing to hear those numbers again. Yeah. So, yeah, Golf RSA and Grant Hepburn, he really and, and his team need to be given an extra cold drink when they're sitting at a, at a golf club. It was an incredibly difficult time. The PGA of South Africa with Ivana Fakabi um, and the Golf Club Managers Association formed a, an alliance, supported documentation, etc. And we were lucky to be part of that alliance and try and ensure that we can get golf back onto the fairways as quick as possible. It, it was such a difficult time, Craig. I remember it was uh, Selwyn and myself sitting, well, not on the outside, we were in, in the conversation every single time, but it was so difficult because you were getting golfers that were getting extremely frustrated and saying, you guys aren't doing enough for me. But meanwhile, back at the ranch, there were documentations, there were meetings around meetings of, of what we can do and, and positioning ourselves around our, our protocols and how we're ensuring golf to be safe and getting back onto the fairways and how we can do it and, and, and partnerships created with within the, the health ministry and, and, and all the the new people that we try to befriend and, and ensure we can uh, understand exactly what our government needs for us to get back on the fairways. So it was a an extremely dark time in, in South African golf and, 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 and Grant Hepburn and his team took uh, unfair bullets, if I can call it that. It, it was a tough time and they were doing their absolute best uh, with PGA and Golf Club Managers Association and we were, I say lucky or unlucky, we were, we were part of that, that, that champion uh, to get us back on the fairways. And then Grant did fa- fabulous with his team and so did Ivana to, to get the guys back onto to the fairways. It took a bit longer, but now we go back and say that's a thing of the past and our golf clubs are recovering. From, from what I understand around golf courses now, uh, business is booming. They're doing fantastically well. They're never going to recover from from the, the problems they had around the COVID and the lockdown, but they are doing really nicely in terms of getting getting back to some level where uh, there's a level of normality from a cash flow point of view. As we come to the end of our conversation, I guess your challenge is finding money, sponsorship, because big business has been hit hard by COVID as well. So I, I guess that's going to be one issue. And then uh, I suppose another one that's not that easy, but something that would be good for South African golf is to find a real black role model player, some black player who could come through and and really become a new Louisdazen or so. Are those sort of priorities that you've that you've looked at? Absolutely. So one of my pillars on my strategy is generally around transformation. For the last three years, we've had what we call the Gary Player class, where we've identified 24 of the top black professionals on our tour. We've assisted them financially, created opportunities for coaching information around nutrition, psychological assistance, boot camp, get the guys together, create some 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 spunbo. That's been going and we've seen some of the fruits of success with Toto Timber winning in Kenya, Keenan Dorbitzer and, and those guys coming through the ranks. With with COVID striking us, our partners that, that, that came on board with the Gary Player class, we had to change our, our structures and what we're gonna what we are doing now. So now we, we've got a much larger squad. We're assisting the guys financially. We're giving them playing opportunities. So our squad of about 50 guys that, that we're assisting have got in excess of 90 golf tournament opportunities to make a name for themselves. 
So transformation is absolutely huge. It's a huge focus. We've created a transformation committee and Ludwig Manyama, the son of Theo Manyama, who's one of our tournament directors, is heading up our transformation strategy and, and plans going forward and, and, and done some really nice things in the interim to, to get structures in place so we can move forward and do exactly what you said is, is find the next heroes. We definitely need to do it and it's, it's high on my agenda of things to get done in the future. Uh, there's a young golfer, Sim Tiger. Everyone talks about young Sim Tiger. I kind of get the feeling that maybe too much pressure has been put on him, but he does certainly look like a real talent, but he's only eight years old. So, you know, <laughs> we probably yeah. shouldn't get too yeah. carried away by, uh, you know, as, as good as he is and as you know, yeah. remarkable as he is. Yeah. I love a young man and, he, and he's, he's, he's absolutely a wonderful man. He's, he's so well-mannered. He's, he's positive. He's confident. I really, really hope he can carry on with it. As you say, he's only eight or nine. But, but hopefully that will be a fine for the future. But he's only going to be playing golf in, at the highest level in 10 years' time. And by that time, hopefully we've had 10 champions already. Hope so. And uh, Thomas, just uh, uh, in closing, this, the Sunshine Tour, I mean, the summer swing, how many events does it consist of? And, and what's the sort of goal, the optimum goal of, of tournament number over the summer swing, which is the more lucrative swing? So, so we have about 28 tournaments across our, our season. And if you work that quickly, 52 weeks in a year. So we kind of carry playing half the season, half the year rather. We have this little period going into November, December, and then January, February, March is our, our summer swing. We, we've done a lot of legwork and hoping to announce the, the new summer swing going into January during the, the three week of our co-sanctioned events. We're, we'll have about sort of seven, eight, hopefully nine tournaments that are a little more lucrative as you've coined it going into that period. So Sort of 12, 14 tournaments in our summer swing is, is, is not a bad situation. But again, in, in, in my strategy and in the way forward, we need to up that a little bit to at least 15 going into the future. Good luck with that. And good luck with the tour. I think, yeah, we do great things. It's been, can you believe, Thomas, eight years since South Africa's had a major winner. 2012 was Ernie Elson's wow. Open. I think he was the last South African major winner. We had a great period, didn't we, with Trevor Immelman and then Louis and then Charles. Sorry, I'm interrupting you very rude, but I heard on the 15th of uh, November we'll have another one, so I'm not too sure what you're worried about. (laughs) Well, I hope so, because the Masters, of course, coming up in November, how how weird. I mean, this whole year is just upside down. And that's going to, I mean, maybe briefly, let's just touch on the Masters. If you Maybe you can tell us a little bit about it, because we're used to seeing it in spring in America, and the course will play quite differently, I would imagine, in autumn or almost winter in in, in, in and then then will that change sort of the nature of who could possibly win it in your opinion no i think the course will still be magnificent i saw some pictures where we now the 20th probably about four weeks ago and it was absolutely brown Correct. and then i saw a picture a week ago where it was i wouldn't say immaculately green it was wow green so, I mean, the Augusta National Golf Club know exactly what they're doing. I don't anticipate that there will be much different in terms of the playability of, of the golf course. And, and, I, and I joke and I say it doesn't really matter what the golf course is like because the greens are the, the telling point around it. And there's that old joke or old old folklore with Nicky Price where he went out and he said, come, I'll go and play you at Augusta. I'll play from the tips. 
I'll put you on a position on the greens and I'll still beat you. <laughs> so it's really around the, the, the greens and I don't anticipate with the, the technology they've got around that part of the world that it'll be any different from previous years. Well, Thomas Apt, it's been absolutely insightful and interesting to hear about the Sunshine Tour. Good luck going forward for the rest of the summer and into the years to come in your new role as Commissioner. Thank you. Appreciate all your support and onwards and upwards, as we say. Greatness does begin here. That was Thomas Apt. This podcast is made possible by our Maverick Insiders. Please consider becoming part of our Maverick Insider community where, for a nominal fee every month, you are supporting quality, independent journalism. You also get some cool benefits and engagement with our journalists thrown in. Please go to dailymaverick.co.za forward slash insider to sign up and become part of the Maverick Insider community. And also remember to sign up to our Maverick Sports newsletter, which hits your inbox on a Monday and never miss another podcast by signing up via your favorite platform. I'm Craig Ray. Thanks for listening. Thank you.